2: Speak to
1: They are who we thought they were.
0: And we let them off the it I get out of hand, just just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's
2: go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 stick C Woo!
1: The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt.
0: Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football.
2: Hey! <laughs> Let's play a little football, Jerry. I'm with you, man. Breaking news, Roger. I got breaking news here to start the show. People need to be aware that this is going on. The USA Today headquarters in McLean, Virginia, has been evacuated. All the employees out of the building and outside in a big mob of people because there were reports of somebody inside the building brandishing a weapon. Now, one tweet or report said gun. Another just says weapon. USA Today headquarters, McLean, Virginia. Roger, listen to this. Our friend... My friend John Pitts, the sports editor of the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. John is a former USA Today employee. He retweeted it and said, I'm not sure I'm following the logic of herding everyone into a big mob outside if there's concern about somebody lurking around with a gun. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Isn't that a good point? Yeah. I mean, like, split up.
1: Anyway. McLean, I just saw. Jenny, there's a lot of uh, a lot of guns around McLean. I think the CIA has a facility there. Do they really? Yeah. Anyway, I just saw it on Twitter. Like I, it's not one of those things where it was planned that I was going to
2: tell you that to start the show. It just there it was. Here we go again, huh?
1: Yeah. I hope not. Well, you know, everybody's on a on a alert. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. High alert. Yeah. yeah. Justifiably so. Right. Given what's happened recently, that's right.
2: Man with a weapon. A lot of the reports are saying man with a weapon instead of saying with a gun, but maybe they just can't confirm it. Anyway, I'll keep you updated. So, how are (laughs) y'all? Inauspicious start to the show, so what? It's Wednesday, and I appreciate you tuning in. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau local agents competitive rates fast friendly service one on one the way it ought to be you have that fender bender on saturday night at i don't know midnight 11 p.m. something like that you pick up the phone you call your local farm bureau agent on their cell phone they'll come meet you that's the way it works with farm bureau and what a luxury that is
0: mr it's rogers a neighborhood day in this neighborhood a beautiful day for a neighbor. would you be mine yeah i'll be yours would
1: you be mine <laughs> The
2: question is simple, but the answer is kind of weird. Yeah, I'll be yours. Roger. My friend. Yeah, my friend. That's kind of goofy. I'm sipping on coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany.
0: I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood.
2: Quite literally.
0: So thankful for them.
1: You want to live in a neighborhood with coffee like that. Mm-hmm
2: did you tell me neighbor. that you can
1: smell it coming up on it? Oh,
2: my oh gosh, my... man. I went up there and, uh, excuse me, they're right on Highway 15. Isn't that right? 15? Yeah. So like if, right. you, if you go to New Albany and then you head north from New Albany, just you go just past. cross
1: over Bankhead and just keep on going.
2: That's it. <laughs> that's right. You go past the high school right there in downtown and you top the hill and down there in the bottom where they've kind of created a, a four-lane version of Highway 15 now. They're um they're over there on the the west side, kind of the northbound side. I'm sorry, the the southbound side of Highway fifteen. Yeah, and so anyway, it's just right there in New Albany. And when I went, you pull up in the parking lot, and before you even get out of your car, it, the aroma, it smells like you are in somebody's kitchen. And and keep in mind you're outdoors.
1: <laughs> so they're buying them by the bag uh, I guess they're mm-hmm. coming in green or whatever color they are when they get picked, and then they they roast them. the whole The whole process happens there.
2: It all happens right there, and you can oh. go, you can stop in and visit and watch some of it. And they have a video that's out there. Yeah, and um, that's it. He'll go any different number of different parts of the world: Africa, South America. Go down there, shop for it, pick it out. Here it comes in great big, huge bags back to New Albany. And that's where they roast it and then distribute it from there. Pretty cool, huh? It's nifty. It is nifty. So, um, the Davini Equipment phone line is nifty. Uh, I'd love to hear from you today. i got a couple of questions for you. One is uh, just a thought. It's based on something I saw, and I'm going to tell you about it in just a second. But it has to do with visiting stadiums around the SEC. Now, the context of this whole thing is... Yesterday there was a list on Twitter from something called Yard Barker. Apparently it is a website. I'm not too heard familiar with it. You've heard about know. it, Roger? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's a website. And they had a list of the top twenty-five college football stadiums or something like that. And here's the thing. Some people took it, it's neat, you know, your school's in there, state was in there, just ahead of like Nebraska, a couple others. Here's the thing though. Upon further review <laughs> The list was put together alphabetically. <laughs> okay. So, I, I, you know, it's not a real list or ranking the top 25 stadiums. Somebody was just having fun with it. He put together a list to see if anybody would notice that they put teams on there that are in, they are arranged in alphabetical order. That's funny.
1: It is funny. So, it's not a real. I it before you realized.
2: Oh, did I. You, I I read it the first time, but I have developed this what's the right word? immunity almost to lists because I see so much of that stuff on Twitter. I just skip right through it mostly. This one I glanced at it cuz Mississippi State was on there and I thought, like, "Okay, well, you know there's another list." I didn't retweet it or anything like that. Roger, you know, just cuz state was on it. I, but I did not notice that. I didn't really <laughs> look at it long enough to notice it. But Zach Johnson, the pro golfer, who is from Iowa, he's a big Iowa fan, he retweeted it later and said, does anybody else notice that this is in alphabetical order? Yeah, And and so it, it alerted me to that. But it did make me think a lot of those stadiums that were on that list, albeit a fake one, I've been to a lot of those stadiums. Then I thought, well, I've been to every SEC stadium except one. There's one of the 14 SEC schools that I have never been to that campus or stadium. So I thought, well, what I'm going to do, everybody can make a list. These people can make a list. If you've got opinions, you're welcome to go out here and make a list out of it. Why don't I make a list of my favorite stadiums to go to in the SEC? A lot of people listening to this show are going to load up and go on road trips coming up for state and Ole Miss and Southern Miss. You're going to go to some of these stadiums. So why not I... Why not put them together? Because if I were to rank them, they are my favorites. That's the category. That's the criteria. They're my favorites. But my favorites are generally based on, you know, character and uniqueness. That's kind of one category. And it's not just uniform. Not just some round thing sitting out in the middle of nowhere. Now, a little character there, and then noise. I like unique stadiums that are really loud. And so I have ranked all the stadiums based on that. I have my list. And I wonder what your list would look like, too. You can let me know on the Divinity Equipment phone. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. They are your Kubota dealer. The oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S. They've been doing it better longer than anybody else. The number to call me is 995-1059. Got it? 995 995- one oh five nine. Just like one oh five nine the zone. It's a six oh one area code, so give me a call. The text line is open to you as well, eight eight five ESPN or eight eight five three seven seven six. I'll get to those in a sec. First up on the phone line, Oliver listening in Jackson. What's up Oliver? You
0: want to uh I got a I got a Dallas Cowboys question. Let's
2: hear it. Uh with the with the contract
0: extension with Zeke, what do you think, how far do you think they can go without him versus with them if Jerry Jones decides to give him
2: what he wants? Man, are you reading my mind, Oliver? Let me tell you what I, before I answer your question, last night, the last thing I did before I went to sleep, I, I'm sitting there, I'm holding my laptop, watching videos on YouTube and i'm watching a recap a kind of a cinematic recap of the 2018 season for my team the Kansas City Chiefs and right. then and then the other and then the next link over there and i clicked it and was watching it when i fell asleep was the 2018 season for the Dallas Cowboys they've they've kind of become my my NFC team because of Dak and so i just watched and as i was watching that video last night it just hits you square in the face just how much of a difference-maker Ezekiel Elliott is for them and for that offense. And, look, I get that running back has largely been this interchangeable position among NFL teams, meaning you can take Mark Ingram out of New Orleans and put in Alvin Kamara out of college and not miss a beat. You know what I mean? Like, that happens... I mean, McCaffrey can go from Stanford and go take handoffs for the Carolina Panthers and make yards. You know, I mean, it's it's a position that largely there are plenty of guys who can play it for a year or two. You know? But, man, I'm watching highlights and, and it kind of remembering what it's like with Ezekiel Elliott on the field for them, and he is just so good. I just think that most people... Even a lot of people covering the NFL don't give him the credit that he is actually due in terms of just what Absolutely. a difference maker he is for that offense. If if I think if the, I think the Cowboys are saying all the right things, Oliver, right now, you know Stephen Jones, who's kind of handling this deal. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. Listen. Oh, up. I think you could easily get out
1: of Oxnard.
0: Uh, and be back in Dallas before anything gets done. i matter of fact, I don't see any momentum that would I mean, lead me to believe that we're going to get anything done while we're out here.
1: And do, do you guys think Zeke would really miss games?
0: I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask Zeke and his representation. I mean, our goals are to get deals done. Uh, all
2: right, that's Stephen Jones. That's They're saying all the right things. But I think if they are worth their paycheck inside the front office of the Cowboys, then behind closed doors they are looking at each other going, Men, this is a player we have to have, period. Because that is reality. He is that good. I believe that Ezekiel Elliott is the best running back in the NFL. He's hands down the best, I think, you know, pass catcher as a running back in the NFL. And they have to have him. I think he is the difference in three, maybe four wins. Maybe more, just him. I think he's that big of a deal for them, so I regardless of what they say, Oliver, I say, if they know what they're doing, yes, he's a running back, but if they know what they're doing, they will they will do whatever it takes to pay him enough money to get him on the field. That's what I think
0: then how about the other contracts that they're working on too? Would they make a difference without Zeke there Do you think you, you need the the trifecta?
2: I think Listen, I, I everybody talks about the importance of the quarterback position, Oliver. All right. And yeah, I get it. But I mean, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. I mean, I mean Greg <laughs> McElroy won a National Championship. You know, and here's the thing. The fact is Ray Lewis and like Mark Ingram and in Alabama were much more important players to those teams than their quarterbacks were. And yeah, I'm the absolutely. big. There's not a bigger Dak fan on the planet than me. Frankly, I, I mean, for a lot of reasons. But and I but I think because I think because of kind of who Dak is, they know that he wants to be a cowboy. I just think that what you got to do is, you you. I think they have to take care of Zeke and Cooper, and make sure they're there, and then figure Dak out, because the, I think Dak knows and they know he's not going anywhere. He didn't want to play for anybody else, and he wants weapons. I think if you were to fast forward to the end of this season, Dak Prescott in December would tell you. Man, I'd, I'd take a pay. I'd take some pay cut if they just give it to these guys and get them on the field. I think that's reality, yeah. but they'll never say that publicly because agents are involved. That's what I think, though, Oliver. And
0: agents, I just want to make the most amount of money they can with a bigger contract.
2: No question. Agents, let me just remember this: it has to be a very, very cold day for you to see a sports agent with his hand in his own pocket. Just remember that. Hey, Oliver, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you. All right, Hell State. Hell State to you too. Thank you for the call. Yeah, I mean, I'm the I'm a believer in Dak. He's a winning quarterback. These other GMs and stuff around in the NFL are saying you got to take care of him first. I I just don't think so. I think he's Dak's going to be there, and they know it, <laughs> and he knows it. I think take care of the other two and make sure his weapons are in place. And for what everybody wants to say about running backs and disposable position, and there are plenty of guys who can do, listen, watch the film. There ain't other guys who can do what Ezekiel Elliott does. That's my belief. I'm going to stick to it. You can't take, who's the guy? Alfred Morris that they that played for him, that used to be the Washington Redskins running back, played for the Dallas, now they've got him back in there. Don't for one second think that Alfred Morris can do what Ezekiel Elliott can do. He can't. And he certainly can't do it a lot. All right, on the stadiums. Let's do it right now. We've got plenty of time. Austin texted the show and said that he's been to 13 of the 14 SEC stadiums and Georgia... Is the best overall experience, he says, by a long shot. Austin, I'm curious, did you go to the two thousand and help me, seventeen game at Georgia? It was either sixteen or seventeen. I think it was twenty seventeen they played at Georgia. Is that the one you went to? You said state got whipped both times and still enjoyed your time there. I got whipped in Georgia. My sophomore year, we got whipped. I threw an interception to Champ Bailey. One of the highlights of my career. Hall of Famer this past weekend. <laughs> they ran us out of there. Sure did. Roger, um, okay, so you went in 06 in 2010. Okay, got it. Um, Roger, i uh playing in Athens and Georgia. I went back over to the bench after one of the series there. It was a day game. They're just killing us. I sit on the bench, kind of up on the top of it, like, you know, on the top of the bench, mm-hmm. and my back is facing the crowd. And behind the opposing bench was most of the student section for Georgia. <laughs> and in unison, all like 10, 12,000 of the students in unison start going, Why it sucks? Why <laughs> it sucks? just over and over. And it was so loud. <laughs> and our other quarterback, Rob Morgan, started elbowing me, picking on him. Like, <laughs> I'm like, Come on, man. Come on now let get up and take a bow. Yeah, I should have. So a little bit later, they put Rob in the game. He ran a few plays. And he throws a pass out there. It gets intercepted and in returned for a touchdown. <laughs> he comes uh-huh. back He comes back over and he sits next to me and the whole student section starts going, Morgan sucks! Morgan! <laughs> so I, I couldn't help it. I was like, how you like it? How do you like it? <laughs> Not so fun when it's you, is it? <laughs> All right, um, Bulldog Barney wants me to break down state schedule with Stevens as the starter and experience on offense. That may take some thinking on my part, but I will get to it. All right, so with a couple of minutes here, I'm going to give you my list. I want you to think about it, and then I'm going to come back and qualify it for you, but I, or at least half of it anyway. But it's in terms of stadiums around the SEC. I've been to 13 of the 14. The one that I have not been to is Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Y'all know which one that is? That's Florida. I've never been to a game, played in a game, or worked a game in Gainesville, Florida, where the, in the swamp where the Gators play. Never been there. That's the one. And yes, most people who make a list, they say, okay, the SEC stadiums here are the best, or my favorite. They're going to have Florida on up there if they've been there. I get it, but I haven't been there, so I can't necessarily like just throw them in. In the Western Division, I rank them this way, the stadiums. Texas A&M, one. Auburn, two. Three, LSU. Hold on, LSU fans. Don't throw anything at me. I'll, I'll explain it. Four, LSU. Bryant-Denny Stadium, Alabama. Five, Davis-Wade Stadium, Starkville Miss. Six, Arkansas Razorback Stadium, whatever the name of that is. Uh, Reynolds Razorback Stadium. And seventh in the West, I have Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, Ole Miss. So that's my order in the West, in that order. A&M, Auburn LSU one, two, three, then Alabama, Mississippi State five and six, and then Arkansas, I'm sorry, four and five, and then Arkansas, Ole Miss, six and seven in the West. What do you think about the order? I'll tell you why I have them there. I'll tell you who I have in the East, and if I were to do the whole league, how would they stack up? I'll give that to you next. You can text me on the text line at 885 ESPN or eight eight five three seven seven six. 3776. You can be like Oliver. People all over the state can hear your voice. Call me on the Divinity phone. Stick around. Back on the show, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. So it's talking about my list of stadiums. The list I gave you a minute ago, that's the Western Division. The way I would rank them, my favorites. We all have opinions, and any of us are allowed to make a list out of it, right? Yeah. So I did the West. I'll give you the East in a sec. But somebody brought up Georgia. Somebody texted in about having gone to Georgia in 2006 and 2010 for games. Both times the team got killed, but both times they had a blast at the game. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um my mother, Roger, listen to this. My mother is listening online right now at thezone1059.com. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. She's a retired school teacher in Alabama, so she's listening today and she sent me a text to remind me. She said that same Georgia game that where the fans were going, "Why it sucks." <laughs> Same Georgia game. We found our van. This is a text from my mother. We found our van had been vandalized in the parking lot after the game. Hated that place. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a text from my mom.
2: She did what'd not they, have a good experience in Athens.
1: What did they do to the van? I'm dying to know. Hey,
2: Mom, what did they do to the van? We want to know. I mean, she's listening. It's not like I had to repeat that. Why did I repeat it, Roger? Roger. <laughs> You're riding back on the bus. You didn't know anything about it, right? I guess so. I was so glad to get out of there. They whipped us that day. We weren't ready to play. We had a pretty good team. They just had a really good one. Heinz Ward, Mike Bobo was their quarterback that day. He's now the head coach at Colorado State. Heinz Ward on that team on offense and uh, had a big tight end who was really good. And Champ Bailey over there. Yeah. Why, it sucks. Never forget it. Uh, I am coming to the phone but real quick let me give you the I gave you the west the west during uh, the western division list my favorite schools favorite stadiums sorry favorite stadiums western division in this order Texas A&M Auburn LSU 1 2 3 Then 4 and 5 would be Bryant Denny Tuscaloosa Davis Wade Mississippi State and the last two in the west are Arkansas and Ole Miss my eastern division list number 1 Neyland Stadium Tennessee Number two, Sanford Stadium, Georgia. Number three in the east for me, williams Bryce Stadium, South Carolina. Number four, Kentucky, which is now Kroger Field. It used to be Commonwealth Stadium. And then Missouri and Vandy bringing up the rear. I've been to both those. I've never been to Florida, so I can't – I could guess in Florida's way up on the list. But I just haven't been. It's the one school out of 14 I had not been to. Gator Man on the Divini equipment phone says that regardless, they, we still got to put the swamp on there. And I'm sure it's awesome, Gator Man. I've just never been. You know what I mean?
0: Well, I I, I I can understand that. And I'm with your mother on the Bulldogs in Athens. They're, <laughs> they're not the real Bulldogs, y'all are. So I'm with Miss <laughs> Wyatt. Uh, I mean, your mom. There you go. Miss Wyatt with that. I'm right there with her. But um, I think you need to put a caveat in there for the swamp. Because uh, I think if you had been there, you would probably put it number one hmm. for for the two reasons that you mentioned, the two qualifications, the the way it's built and the way it looks, and then the noise. And one of the reasons uh, I got I got one deal about the uh, the noise to tell you a story about from a Mississippi State player that you know. Okay, and then the um, the way it's built, it's different than any other stadium in the uh, SEC. You know how most stadiums are like. Uh, Oval or round, uh, or just a slab. Yeah. the The swamp is faceted. You know how you have a jewel that's faceted? It's got instead of having corners, it's got like yes. another line, another edge. That's the way Ben Hill Griffin Stadium is built. If you look it up, it looks from up top, it looks different than every other stadium. Okay? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and 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 it's also painted like orange everywhere, and nice. where you can see something. It's got like uh, you know lighted things that says this is the swamp. Now Scott Strickland brought that; it was just painted, but he made it to where it's lit up like a sign. Yeah. But the number the number one thing is is because it's different because it's they don't have them like this anymore. And do you know a fellow by the name of Paul Acosta? Oh yeah,
2: absolutely. I played with Paul. Okay. I right. guess for one year. All right,
0: and I heard this out of out of his mouth. He said this. They asked him one day, he was being interviewed, he said, what is the toughest place, loudest place to play in all of the SEC? And he said, hands down. Now, this guy played at Tiger Stadium on Saturday night. Mm -hmm. He said, hands down, it was the Swamp. Mm -hmm. And he said it was because he had never seen a stadium where the field is so close to the stand. Uh And no other stadium is built like that it's like you've got probably about um five yards between the sidelines and the and the, the edge of the seats that's yeah. why um, it looks there's no so hedges and stuff like that or different. anything like that yeah. but Paul Lacoste said it was the loudest place he had ever heard
1: hmm. yeah I if bet you, well I'm looking at it Matt. he's not lying man it's they're right there on the field I mean, if you get some and, and seats we would down say there you're in the action
2: that the way it's built we'd say too Roger is it's not curved it's got angles everywhere you look, right? It's, it's, actual, it's Yeah. Fastid. Yeah. gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, I yeah. appreciate the report on that Gator man. I've heard a lot of similar stuff. Um one of these days we have got to get John Bond on here to talk about playing at Florida because I've heard him talk about how hot it was. Back when John played in the 80s at Florida in Gainesville, they had the artificial turf, the old AstroTurf. So I mean like Yeah, you know, that was before Spurrier. Yeah. Back in the What was his name? Charlie Pell?
0: <laughs> Charlie Pell give
2: them hell Charlie Pell that's right and uh, and those guys so uh, we'll have to get him on to talk uh, about some of that Gator Man appreciate the call thank you I appreciate you, brother yep thank you for listening uh, update <clears throat> Roger my mother said that on a, their vehicle when they went to Georgia for our game in 97 they had smeared food all over it Poured beer all over the car and broke the handle off of the back glass that lifted the glass up. Oh. Yeah. So they really treated it rough at Georgia. They also treated us rough on the field that day. <laughs> um so insult to injury. That's the one I've never been to, Florida. Um in the West, Texas A and M number one, Kyle Field. Here's what I say about that. Number one. If you haven't seen it, listen to me. And I would tell you this, too, Gator Man. You know, Paul Lacoste, he played in the 90s. He never played at Texas A&M, much less now, Kyle Field, now, after their recent renovation. There is, there's nothing like it in the SEC. I've been to Neyland Stadium, 100,000. I've been to Tuscaloosa, 100,000. But it's a different kind of 100,000 at Kyle Field. Outside the stadium is some of the nicest people in the world. Almost too nice. Inside of the stadium It's some of the loudest people in the whole world. And the way that thing is built, four levels of seating, 360 degrees, hanging out over the playing surface. It's incredible. Nothing like it. And it has this uniqueness and character. It's 100,000 unlike anything you've ever seen. The way they built it, it might as well be 400,000. It looks like (laughs) 400,000. It's incredible. What I love about Auburn is just how unique it is! This huge eighty-five thousand-seat stadium that is is still—it's beautiful. It's huge. It's loud and sitting smack dab in the center of their campus. It's in Alabama, not really that way, you know. Like Kentucky, their stadiums sitting off to the side out there. Auburn, to me, is just there's just something great about it. And good or bad, Auburn's going to fill that place up. You know, their fans do a great job. It's always loud. And it is one of the more unique stadiums in the SEC. It's why I love it. And then I got LSU up there, you know, noise level, obviously, you know, all that kind of stuff. The reason I have Bryant-Denny so low on the list in the West is just because it's just round and big and uniform. There's really, you can be sitting anywhere in that stadium and all of your sight angles look the same. There's not anything really unique about Bryant-Denny Stadium. Um, it doesn't feel like you're sitting on a in a place on a college campus either. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, it's just big and round and corporate. And the times I've been there, it's not really all that loud. <laughs> not, it's just not nearly as loud and raucous as like LSU and Auburn, for that matter. And I think Davis Wade, people will tell you. I was talking to, um, who was it? Oh, it was Jacob Hester. You know who played War Number Eighteen for LSU and played in the NFL. And uh, Jacob said that he's he didn't think there's any place in the league that has been transformed more in the last ten years than Davis Wade. And he said he easily has it in the top half of the league in terms of experience and noise, based on going back there the last few times that LSU has played there. Got to go to Florida though. The scheduling model kind of keep that from happening for a while. (laughs) I don't know when I'm supposed to go to Florida. But those are my favorites. And then Tennessee, Georgia. South Carolina is hugely underrated. You go there to williams Bryce, it's like 90,000 or something in there. They get it full. That place is great and loud. That's South Carolina. The rest of them in the East, meh. All right, y'all stick around. Apparently, Mississippi Kid, former Mississippi State Bulldog Jonathan Abram, first round pick of the Raiders, stole the show last night on. HBO's Hard Knocks, an inside look at an NFL training camp documentary series. been going on for years and years. This year they're highlighting the Raiders. It started last night on HBO. I didn't see it because I don't have HBO anymore. But people have told me about it. A buddy of mine texted me and sent me some clips, and I watched it. And maybe we'll go over some of that in the second hour because... It does appear that Jonathan Abrams stole the show. lots of people talking about it. Somebody even tweeted that he is Fred Smoot reincarnated. You have my attention now. All right, welcome back. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau Studio Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. and here on the show we stay connected to you around the clock because of CSpire, the number one network in Mississippi, Seaspire, customer inspired cspire.com breaking news in college basketball I don't know what it actually means but listen to this the Auburn men's basketball program under Bruce Pearl yes that one final four Auburn Chuck Person FBI convicted Auburn The Auburn men's basketball program had long kept private their severe self-imposed sanctions from 2017 to April of 2018 last year until now. During that time, Auburn didn't conduct any recruiting. No visits of any kind, no contacts, no phone calls. No evaluations. They self-imposed. For what? We're not real sure. (laughs) But it has now become public that Auburn self-imposed in men's basketball zero recruiting. None. From September 2017 until April 2018. Seven months of complete and utter zero recruiting, self-imposed it. And nobody knew about it until right now, August of 2019. <laughs> it's the way it works in big-time college athletics, folks. You don't know half of it, and I don't either. That's just the way it works. All right, you want to be a part of the show? There's a couple ways to do it. You can tweet me, and buddy, i got a lot to get to here. On Twitter and on text. You can tweet me, at Radio Wyatt. You can text the show, at... 885-ESPN or 885-3776, and that's a 601 area code. Real quick, back on the um, Ezekiel Elliott thing for the Cowboys and how important he is, Sean tweeted me and said, I know Alfred Morris can't replace Zeke's production. I mean, he is 30 years old. But when you have the best offensive line in the NFL and compare it to an O-line in a situation like the Steelers had last season, it makes me feel like anyone in the top 20 running backs in the league can run behind the Cowboys' offensive line with near the same production. Look at James Conner. He killed it last season. Cowboys aren't done without Zeke. They just need a better option than Alfred Morris. Look, I'm not saying they're done, but without Ezekiel Elliott, they, they come way back to the pack. I got news for you, Sean. I'm telling you, my evaluation is that the Cowboys' offensive line is not as good as people say it is. It's not as good as we've been told it is. It's not as good as they appear to be at times when Zeke is running the ball. You know who gave up the second most sacks of anybody in the NFL last year? The Dallas Cowboys. You know who gave up the most? The same Steelers that you mentioned. Now, to a degree, numbers don't lie. And the fact is, without Frederick on that offensive line last year for the Cowboys, at times they were good and terrible. And, yes, there are times when Dak held the ball a little long, sure. But second most sacks in the league with a mobile quarterback, they aren't as good as people say they are. They didn't play like it last year. Why did they, If they were the second best offensive line or, or the best in the league, why make a change as your offensive line coach? Which they did. And now over here to the text line, 885 ESPN. This is from Kyle listening in Hattiesburg. Kyle says, uh, Matt, I have a question for you. I keep seeing Javante Payton's name pop up. If you don't know uh, who Javante Payton is, he is a new receiver at Mississippi State. They signed out of junior college, and he was a big-time junior college player. Um He's originally from Nashville, Tennessee, and he went to Northwest Mississippi Community College. 6'1", about, oh, you know, 200 pounds, something like that. He says, I keep seeing his name pop up when reading about fall camp. Do you think he can be a big contributor this year? Being a complicated scheme to learn, and Peyton wasn't here for spring either. That's right, he just got here. He said, I'm not sure what to expect from him. Kyle from Hattiesburg says he loves the work, listens to the podcast of the show every day. Well, we appreciate that so much, Kyle. Listen, uh, Peyton is going to play. Right now, he's not listed as a starter because you don't just walk into fall camp and become a starter day one. He wears number four. They gave him number four. He's running with either the second or the third unit right now, behind guys like, um, you know, Cyrus Mitchell, uh, Stephen Gidry, and guys like that. But he's making a lot of plays. He catches the football. He is picking up the offense. And so I'm giving you my opinion. He will be an impact player. It is a position, especially being a junior college guy, you know, think about it like this, Kyle. You don't see junior college players go right to the SEC and, like, in their first game just blow up very often and just take over. It just doesn't happen very often. Even the best ones out of junior college. Even the best ones. It takes five or six games sometimes for them to kind of, I don't know, just get going. Because everything is so much faster. It's such a different level. It's just there are things you have to adjust to, and it takes time. It usually doesn't happen in one game. You know, I think about a guy like Pernell McPhee. I keep going back to that as an example. People remember how dominant Pernell McPhee was the defensive line at Itawamba Community College. He had like, they played nine games. And he had one year in the regular season like 18 or 19 sacks in nine games in JUCO. Like they couldn't block him. He was that good. And then recruited by everybody. And at Mississippi State, when he got there, you knew he was going to be great. And he was eventually draft pick, a bunch of years in the NFL, big-time playmaker in college eventually. But the first four or five games, first half of his first year, you couldn't find him on the field. And then at some point about halfway through the year, the light bulb comes on, he starts to be himself. That's what happens a lot of times when players make that transition from junior college to the SEC. It is a huge jump. And so, like, do you expect him to go out in week one and have ten catches? No. But I do think he's going to be a contributor. And by the time you – the great thing about it is he's the kind of player who – He is starter material in the SEC. He is. And so by the time he gets to, you know, late October, November, especially in some games where you're going to have some favorable matchups against like Arkansas and Ole Miss, he's a guy who can come to life at the right time for you. So, State's fortunate to have him. They like it, they like him. Gator Man on the text line. Says, I will concede to the new Kyle Field, but that one only. And he says that the Swamp will ride with second. I'm sure it is because I've heard it from other people, Gator Man. You know, I just thought, well, it's kind of disingenuous. If I make a list and throw one in there, I've never seen in person when I have seen the others. Yeah, the new Kyle Field, I'm just telling you, look, if you're a fan and you haven't been, go. State, you're going there this year. Go. If you haven't been, go. I've never been so high up in all my life, <laughs> outside of an airplane. I don't think yeah, that's exaggerating, but it's when you're up there in the pre, just the press box, not even in the upper deck, the press box. It is amazing how far you can see out on the horizon. Like I am not exaggerating, we were there at Kyle Field two years ago. Really, really early, there were some jets flying around there, like these military jets flying around there, practicing for a flyover. And they
1: really are not all that far above your head
2: when you're in the press box. <laughs> it's just that place.
1: Do you know it's the third largest U.S. stadium by capacity?
2: It is? Kyle Field is? Mm-hmm.
1: 102,733.
2: Yeah. And they, and here's the thing, Roger. They have so much money, they could easily make it bigger whenever they want. I just have, They have... Unlimited resources, basically at Texas A&M. I mean, in the, yeah, that that stadium is—it's incomparable. And Neyland Stadium is awesome at Tennessee too. Now it's been a while since I've been there, but I'm looking forward to seeing it this year. I've never sat in the stands though at Neyland Stadium at Tennessee, and people who have. Always talk about how narrow the seating is. They say if you're a big old boy, there's no way your one butt is fitting on your one seat that you're supposed to fit. <laughs> they cram them in there <laughs> to get $100,000. right. Hour one in the books. Hour two coming up. I'll get your phone calls and your texts coming up in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around.
0: You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.